Guideline First Look Guideline for Sharp Safety by Lisa Croak The updated AORN, Guideline for Sharp Safety, will provide guidance on identifying and preventing Sharp's injuries and reducing exposure of perioperative patients and personnel to pathogens. The guideline was last updated in 2014. Although recommendations in this update are similar to the previous version of the guideline, the relevant research that has since been published is incorporated and reinforces that practices such as double-gloving and using a neutral zone and blunt suture needles are very effective to decrease Sharp's injuries in the OR, said Mary J. Ogg, Senior Perioperative Practice Specialist and Lead Author of the Guideline. The full guideline will be available in the AORN Facility Reference Center on November 1, 2019. The guideline organization follows that of Hierarchy of Controls, which provides structure and prioritization for interventions to reduce bloodborne pathogen exposure, beginning with elimination of the hazard and followed by using engineering controls, for example, sharps with engineered sharps injury protection, work practice controls, for example, neutral zone, administrative controls, for example, policies, education, and personal protective equipment, PPE. Og indicated that following this hierarchy leads to the implementation of inherently safer systems in which the risk of an injury has been substantially reduced. For example, eliminating the use of a suture to close the skin incision and substituting the use of a skin stapler eliminates the use of a sharp needle and reduces the possibility of a percutaneous injury while suturing, she said. Exposure Control Plan Healthcare facilities must establish a written bloodborne pathogen exposure control plan that is accessible to all employees and is reviewed and updated at least yearly or whenever a new or modified task or procedure is implemented into practice. Og said this written exposure control plan is an occupational safety and health administration requirement that protects employees who work in jobs in which they are at risk of exposure to blood or other potentially infectious materials. Having employees adhere to the exposure control plan eliminates or minimizes occupational exposure to bloodborne pathogens. The exposure control plan assists with implementation and compliance with the standard, she added. It includes a determination of employee exposure, implementation of various methods of exposure control, including standard precautions, engineering controls, work practice controls, and PPE, hepatitis B vaccination, post-exposure evaluation and follow-up, communication of hazards to employees, training, record-keeping, and procedures for evaluating circumstances surrounding exposure incidents. As part of the exposure control plan, any exposure to blood or other potentially infectious materials must be documented. Documentation should include the engineering controls in use at the time, the work practice controls followed, a description of the device in use, the protective equipment or clothing worn, the procedure being performed, and the employee training provided. Any exposed employee must be given a confidential post-exposure and follow-up medical evaluation. Administrative Controls Og indicated that administrative controls are important components of a comprehensive sharp safety program and include education, training, competency verification, policies and procedures, 
and quality improvement. Personnel occupationally exposed to blood or other potentially infectious materials must receive training before being given tasks that may result in exposure. The training should be repeated at least yearly and when a change in procedure or task could affect occupational exposure. Topics should include engineering controls, work practice controls, and PPE. Facility leaders should develop and implement policies and procedures aimed at reducing or eliminating exposure to blood and other potentially infectious materials. Strong, enforced policies and procedures can help and support the implementation of sharp safety interventions, such as using the neutral zone and double gloving, Og said. The healthcare organization may develop quality indicators, such as injury rates, to monitor and measure adherence to sharp safety and injury prevention practices. If an organization measures adherence, the frequency of monitoring also will need to be identified. After an injury, using a quality improvement tool, such as a process map, a flowchart, a fish bone or cause and effect diagram, an affinity diagram, or root cause analysis, helps identify areas for improvement and possibly re-education needed to prevent injuries in the future, Og said. All Sharps injuries should be reported as soon as they happen, which helps to ensure timely treatment, including provision of prophylaxis when necessary. These reports also aid in identifying trends and areas of improvement. Personal Protective Equipment As required by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, PPE must be worn whenever there is an opportunity for exposure to blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious material. The updated guideline indicates that PPE should be provided to employees in appropriate types and sizes at no cost. Og indicated that a key change in this updated guideline is that the recommendations regarding double gloving and perforation indicators have been combined into one recommendation. Double gloving reduces the risk of glove perforation and percutaneous injury and prevents microbial transfer from the surgical team member to the patient or transfer of potentially infectious materials from the patient to the surgical team member, she said. A perforation can be detected more reliably and more frequently when personnel's hands are double-gloved with a perforation indicator. Perioperative personnel may still wear single gloves for specific procedures that require high tactile sensitivity or delicate manipulation of instruments and tissues. If a glove puncture occurs when wearing double gloves or single gloves, the underlying skin should be evaluated for injury. If an injury is identified, the updated guideline recommends that first aid be provided immediately with the injury reported according to organizational policy. Conclusion Following the hierarchy of controls, which includes eliminating the hazard and using engineering controls, work practice controls, administrative controls, and PPE, will lead to safer systems in which the risk of a Sharps injury is decreased. The updated evidence in this guideline reinforces the use of strategies to reduce Sharps injuries, including establishing a written bloodborne pathogen exposure control plan, developing and implementing policies and procedures to reduce or eliminate exposure to blood, and ensuring that personnel wear PPE whenever there is a chance for exposure to blood, other body fluids, or other potentially infectious material. Og concluded, 
that it is AORN's hope that if perioperative teams follow the recommendations in this guideline, Sharp's injuries in the perioperative setting will dramatically decrease and eventually be eliminated. 